This is Max. After recording our recent episode on Lo Terciario, the Tertiary by Raquel Salas Rivera, I had the opportunity to do some research on the 1976 translation of Marx's Capital by Pedro Scarron, which is featured in the book and which we talked about on the episode. I wrote a short essay about the translation and the political milieu it emerged from, and Dan encouraged me to record it and release it as a mini-episode, so here it is. I hope you enjoy. Translation as Revolutionary Praxis, Marx and Gramsci in Argentina. In Lo Terciario, the Tertiary, Puerto Rican poet Raquel Salas Rivera draws on key lines from Karl Marx's capital to ground his lyrical investigation of debt, gender, and colonialism in Puerto Rico. The text itself is a fascinating work of auto-translation, and in his translator's note, Salas Rivera emphasizes the importance of a specific Spanish translation of Capital, Pedro Scarron's 1976 critical edition, published by Siglo XXI Editores, and according to Salas Rivera, commonly used by the Puerto Rican left as a part of political formation programs in the 70s and 80s. In his introduction to Lo Terciario, the Tertiary, Ora Joan Noel gives further background on the significance of the Scarron translation. Quote, it is an attempt at a critical edition that navigates the several versions of Marx's text and maps Marx's slippery poetics of self-revision, and thus is itself a model for Salas Rivera's capacious and revisionist self-translatorly practices. End quote. After reading Lo Terciario, the Tertiary, I became interested in the circumstances of Scarron's edition of Capital as an intervention in the Latin American left of the 1970s one that formed part of a collective intellectual effort to shift thinking, priorities, and organizational forms on the left through writing, translation, and publishing. Scarron's translation of Capital has its roots in a circle of Marxist intellectuals who became interested in heterodox Marxism, Italian Marxist thought, and the writing of Antonio Gramsci in particular. In the beginning of the 1960s, this was a relatively young group of Argentinian Communist Party, PCA, members many of whom lived in the city of Córdoba. At the time, the PCA was an orthodox communist party still closely linked to the Stalinist apparatus. Following Stalin's death and the rise of third world communism, with the Cuban revolution of particular note, the Córdoba circle, centered around Arico, and Juan Carlos Portantiero, turned to Gramsci to elaborate different readings of Marx in general, and the Argentine situation in particular, with an emphasis on Gramsci's writing about the connection between culture and politics and the role of the organic intellectual, militant intellectuals whose work is enmeshed with working-class politics. In 1963, the Gramscians founded the journal Pasado y Presente. Writing later about the journal, Arrico states that, quote, it helped to foster the conviction that there was a reinvigorating current inside the Argentinian Communist Party that the journal although not by itself, would help to build. Looking back, I believe that this current did exist, and that a little later, in 1967, it would produce the cascade of ruptures that would form the revolutionary Communist Party and the Castroist guerrilla currents. End quote. The translation of theoretical works was an important part of that goal. Pasado y Presente's focus on reinvigoration brought its members into conflict with the PCA, 
which in turn led to the PCA's expulsion of the entire editorial team of Pasado y Presente after their second issue, apparently for their promotion of focoismo, the strategy of small guerrilla groups along the Cuban model. Pasado y Presente continued to be published until 1965. In 1968, Arico created the editorial series Cuadernos Pasado y Presente, which entirely focused on publishing complete works of heterodox Marxism and left communism, including previously untranslated texts by European revolutionaries such as Rosa Luxemburg, but also works situated within the Latin American context, including those of the Peruvian communist José Carlos María Tagui. In total, Cuadernos Pasado y Presente published almost 100 texts over the course of a few years, most of them original translations. As organic intellectuals, the Pasado y Presente group was involved in political organizing as well as editorial work. Pasado y Presente was linked to new left student groups, particularly notable in light of the 1969 Cordobazo student uprising, as well as militant automobile workers and guerrilla groups. Pasado y Presente's focus on strikes and worker militancy outside of party and union bureaucracy, student uprisings, and eventually armed struggle further link their praxis to that of operist or workerist left communist currents within the Italian left. Both Cordoba and Bologna, for example, were political hotbeds in which major strikes were organized by rank-and-file workers at fiat factories in 1969. The group returned to the text of Marx and his interpreters in order to develop a current that emphasized direct democracy and spontaneous worker action over party discipline and electoral politics. While it is difficult to tease out the exact impact of their intellectual work and inspiring wider organizing of that nature, it aligned with a turn towards Marxism from below in Argentina and Latin America in general in the 1960s and 70s. Pasado y Presente eventually dissolved both as a journal and editorial project. However, Arico and the Gramscian Circle continued to lead publishing projects, culminating in Arico's work in Siglo XXI Editores Argentina. At Siglo XXI, Arico commissioned an ambitious project that typified the translation and intellectual work of the Gramscian Circle in the 1960s and 1970s, a critical edition of Marx's Capital. It would be translated by Pedro Scarron, who was originally from Uruguay and, in keeping with the heterodox tradition of the Gramscians, mostly translated anarchist works in the 1960s before moving to Argentina and working with Arico at Siglo XXI. Translating Capital was a monumental task, not only for its length, density, and style, which bridges the literary and the technical, but also because of the lack of a single definitive version of the text. Not only did Marx and Engels revise and augment Capital in several German editions, but they made changes and additions to the French and English translations as well. For the Siglo XXI translation, Scarron worked with a team of about five other translators and editors. Scarron himself read through every edition of Capital Volumes 1-3 through three that were published during the lifetimes of Marx and Engels, and that Marx or Engels themselves had reviewed. All in all, he read six editions of Capital Volume 1 and two of both 2 and 3. He selected the second German edition as a source text, added additions and clarifications made by Marx and other versions, and added the footnotes indexed by Eleanor Marx in the English translation. In his translator's note, Scarron describes Volume 1 as, quote, an enormous palimpsest in which the generally, although not always, richer layers of revision recover a good part of the original edition. 
In the translator's note, Scarron calls attention to the technical language of capital. The text contains many key terms that are either used in very specific ways or by Marx or complete neologisms that he created. For example, Scarron uses the term plusvalor for Marx's merwert, a term that is rendered in English as surplus value. As Marx's concepts of value are both key to his thought and distinct from traditional economic forms of value, the language used for those terms has real implications for the interpretations of Marx's work. Through his, this close attention, Scarron and Siglo XXI hoped to present a version of Marx's work that was less mediated by some of its later interpreters, particularly Lenin and Stalin, and that it would, would allow leftists to become critical readers who would be able to use their reading for generative revolutionary ends. In the end, this task of the formation of a revolutionary Argentinian left was interrupted. The first volume of eight of Scarron's translation of Capital 1 to 3 was published in 1975. The military overthrew Isabel Perón in a coup in 1976. Siglo XXI Argentina was banned, and almost everybody involved, including Arico and Scarron, went into exile. Arico, like many of the Gramscian circle, went to Mexico City and continued to work with Siglo XXI Mexico. Scarron completed his translation of Capital from Paris. Nevertheless, the careful editorial interventions of the Pasado y Presente Circle encouraged new understandings and interplays of revolutionary praxis that, as Salas Rivera demonstrates, would echo among future generations of the left in Latin America. In thinking about translation, I always return to the importance of the beginning of the process. How or why do we decide to translate something in the first place? And even before that, how might one best read with an eye for translation? The Gramscian Circle provides an example of writing, translating, and publishing that is done with a sense of political urgency, the need to intervene in an ongoing historical process, and a desire to put texts, both translated and original, into play in dynamic and unexpected ways.